Yeah, so um, all of this is mainly the stuff that you would use on the battlefield. So it's um, pain relief, um, anaesthetics uh, and healers, and that's essentially it. David Jones has brought with him rungoa Māori, tonics and balms made from native plants. Inside containers and jars there's beeswax, honey and poultices. At Te Whare Wānanga o Awanuiārangi in Whakatāne, students are curious to smell and even taste it. So uh, in that respect we have the rākau, which are kōwhai, um, tūt or tūpākehi, um, ruruhau or comfrey as it's as the Pākehi name, uh, and then we have uh, various muds that we use as poultices, uh, thanks to Jarawa. Uh, we have um, acephagy clays, so some of those ones that can be ingested, and as well as those that can go um, as topical on top of the skin. Um, uh, so those were used as poultices in the war, so if they had big gouging wounds, they would just pack it full of mud. Uh, we also have um, soda spring water, which has a high alkaline content in it. So it comes from um, Waimangao, from the prior family, who donated the, the actual um, soda water here as well, which was used to heal wounds and to clean them as well. Lovely, so were the kids, I saw the kids smelling it or something. Yeah, so they were tasting the acephagy clays, so they can actually eat it. These are clays that you can eat. True. The darker ones is for eating, and the lighter one is, is a topical clay. In 2017, Tiahika covered Te Pūtake o Teriri, a symposium about the impact of the New Zealand land wars, the influence overseas wars had in Aotearoa, and the research and literature produced by historians, writers and academics. This week we return to Whakatane, and over the next few episodes we'll feature the lectures from guest speakers that include Malcolm Mulholland, Vincent O'Malley and Wiremu Dohuti. This week, David Kukutai-Jones, Rungwa practitioner, shares his research about how soldiers tended to their wounds on the battlefield using Rungwa Māori. He honore he karorea, he maungārunga kiruna i te whenua, he whakaaro pae ki ngā tāngata katoa rire rire haupai mārire. A te tuatahi tēnei rā, ka mihi atu, a tātou e huhui nei, i raro i te māhana tāna o tēnei o tātou whare, a e runga hoki i te kaupapa i mui a tātou i tēnei rā. A ki ngā kāwai rangatira katoa, ngā mātāwaka kei wangunea tātou, tēnā koutou, a tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. E ngā pai tapu i tū i tata nei, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, it's an honour and a privilege to be here in front of you all and talk about one of my passions, which is rongoa. Uh, when I was first approached by Dr Kingi, uh, who was my history tutor back at Waikato back in the day, I uh, didn't really have m- uh, much passion for warfare, New Zealand warfare or military history and that sort of thing too. But I did remember some of the recipes, uh, uh, rongoa recipes that were given to me uh, that came as a consequence of... Uh, the New Zealand wars and some of the intertribal wars at the time. Uh, and we'll be talking about some of those recipes and some of those rongoa in this presentation here. Uh, so, for example, uh, there were various oils that were rubbed on the bodies of the toa before going into war so that they couldn't feel anything. It was anaesthetic. So they could be cut, hacked away, stabbed and everything, but they just still keep on going and they keep on going. 
Are there some of that available on that desk just over there? Give us a matter of fact there. <laughs> just in case you have that, um, you know, some of that inner office conflict and that sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, uh, as well as that, there's also some healing agents on there. And I've been very fortunate uh, to have been given uh, access to some of the rungo, some of that rungo, uh, and also to Matauranga or some of that information associated with it as well. So we'll get started. So you can't really do much without having to introduce the old postmodern dominance and medicine and all that sort of stuff, can you? So we look for medicine to be an orderly field of knowledge and procedure, but it is not. It is an imperfect science, an enterprise of constantly changing knowledge, uncertain information, fallible individuals, and at the same time, lives are on the line. There are science in what we do, yes, but also habit, intuition, and sometimes plain old guessing. The gap between what we know and what we aim for persists, and this gap complicates everything that we do. Uh, so that quote there has been introduced into this presentation today uh, to sort of ground us in the understanding that there is merit to rungwa, uh, to Māori medicine, as well as uh, Western medicine, where this quote actually comes from. Yep. Uh, and in uh, typical Māori presentation style, you must have a karakia at the beginning of your karakia. In this particular case, the one that we have here is a fai that was used in the healing of wounds. Yep. He no nota, he karawa, he auika. Ko tāne tū takina te iwi, tāne tū takina te ua ua, tāne tū takina te kiko, tāne tū takina te kiri, tāne tū takina te parapara, tāne tū takina te kāpitirangi, e mahua ake nei, e mahua pōpō, e mahua te tākiritanga o te ata. Uh, this presentation, will, uh, there will also be uh, historic objects and references inserted and embedded into the actual presentation itself. Uh, so this karakia here uh, comes from notes on the war, on the art of war, as conducted by the Māori of New Zealand, with accounts of various customs, rites and superstitions pertaining to war as practised and believed in by the ancient Māori by Alston Best and the journals of the Polynesian Society. Uh, and then, of course, uh, following that whaikōrero style is mihi atua. Uh, so there is one of our uh, um, archetypal karakia, uh, the karakia for tāne. Tēnei au, tēnei au te hōkai, nei taku tapuai ko te hōkai, nuku ko te hōkai, rangi ko te hōkai, o tō tūpuna tāne nui ārangi. The reason why it's introduced here is that in the search for progeny, the Māori gods were said to have copulated with all forms of life. One group of progeny from this search were the various types of elements used in rungoa as a result of the god Tāne and his attempts to mate with various trees and plants. So in this particular presentation, we're looking at two main rungoa. Uh, one of them is an anaesthetic to numb the body before combat uh, and to heal it. And then the second one is absorbative and geophagy clays to heal wounds, such as um, clays used in poultices. Uh, these two particular images come from different sources. Uh, we have a map of the south end of Lake Taupo showing volcanic mountains uh, in the Transactions and Proceedings of the Royal Society of New Zealand, uh, 1868-1961. Yeah, so that's a, a map of the end of Lake Taupo. Uh, and then the other image there is a cross-section of a map of New Zealand by Alexander Johnston in the David Rumsey Historical Map Collection, uh, in Edinburgh in 1893. Uh, so the first one there, Lake Taupo, is there because of the um, location of where some of the clays were harvested. Uh, firstly, acknowledging 
the boundaries and the landscape and the environment from which these rungwa came from. In this particular case, it came from Taupo. In his presentation, David references the trees and the leaves where he sourced his rungwa Māori. He also acknowledges the mana whenua, or the guardians of that land. Uh, and then on the other side there, uh, some of the other rākau and the rau, uh, uh, for the anaesthetic, uh, came from various parts of Whakatane and the Bay of Plenty region as well. Uh, of course then, uh, amihi to the mana uh, tangata. When I first asked about the clay, I was first told to go and learn uh, these waiata here, or to remember the verses of these particular waiata here before I did anything else. Yep. So that first one is Kaikiki Wairaka, and paying particular attention to some of the lines uh, in that particular waiata. Uh, and then the other one was Epatoho. So in order to procure some of the asophagy clays and absorptive clays uh, from Taupo, I was first urged to uh, look more deeply first into these motiata and into these waiata so that I knew the origin uh, and the meaning and all of the kawa and tikanga, some of the kawa and tikanga behind them as well in their stories. Yeah. So in this particular case, I was being urged uh, to remember uh, the kōrero of Ngātua Ruerangi, uh, asking for warmth to be sent to him from Hawaii, uh, which was sent to him uh, by Hoata uh, and Pupu. Yeah. Uh, in this particular case, uh, Kaikiki Wairaka, this particular image that I've taken, uh, comes from Te Aoho, the New World, uh, the other image uh, are the words of Epatoho, which comes from Legends of the Māori by the Honourable Sir Maui Pōmare and James Cowan, Volume 1 in 1930. And by the way, all of these are available online. Okay, uh, so we first begin uh, our journey looking at uh, the anaesthetic. So as I said before, uh, Tupakihi oil was rubbed, on, rubbed onto the bodies of the warriors before going to war as an anaesthetic. It was also used post-conflict to heal and mend. Yeah. The Tohunga Rungua and one of the kaitiaki of the Ngāti Tō exhibition at Te Papa Tongarewa in 2014, Te Wari uh, said that our tribe Ngāti Tō was a warrior tribe and their war parties would include a retinue, a group of skilled healers, men and women, who were able to apply rungua to the injured and sick while they were on the war path. The remedies had to be effective and quick to keep pace with the war party while on the go, uh, such as rungwa used for sprains, strains and broken bones called tutu. Back to the rungwa table where David Kukutai-Jones explains the properties of the native plants, the uses of clay and pork fat as a balm, an ingredient that has been around for decades. So you've got the raw material, the leaves, um, which we infuse to make the oil. Uh, and it's the oil that was rubbed onto the bodies. So this one here is the um, anaesthetic one. So you rub it on, can't feel anything. Uh, the other one is a healer. Uh, and then I've got the modern day version. So you make your creams and your balms out of the news. And this is the oil that you can open up and have a It's like stuff. punny punny. So or... if you put it on, do you actually feel numbness? No. Yeah, well, eventually. So we use that for arthritis, osteoporosis. You might put a little bit on? Yeah. Um, that one's just fresh, though, so it usually takes time to cure. Oh. But you can uh, have a go at it anyway, so it's all right. Do you have an oil? That is the oil. 
as the uh, as the balm. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't got any of that one as a balm, so I just made this one. That one's made out of um, pork fat. Old ladies would have used human fat, but that's all. Pork fat. Pork fat. Yeah. Mixed so, with. Well, soaps and weed were originally made out of fat. Yeah, it's all that sort of stuff too. You can put it on. Oh, it's just the clay you said that you bought and. Uh, yeah, so that's the pharmaceutical grade wow. clay, and then this is the. <laughs> <laughs> I come from the end of the country there. Like, oh, yeah. From Morpa, actually. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's there. Uh, so um, then we've got the muds in front of us as well that I talked about. The what would the differences be between the chemist bought and... Well, this one is what they consider to be pure, high-grade one. So it's yeah. been sifted and screened and cleaned yes. and then dehydrated. So all of the water's been taken out of it. Some people say that you take out like, the actual nutrients of it once you dehydrate it. Uh, and you've got your beeswax. got beeswax there. Uh, there's also honey here Just as any, well. Any honey? or Yeah, yeah honey. Yep. So um, you can either mix that with your tonics to make it um, taste nicer. You can mix it with the clays and eat it or put it directly onto the wounds as an antiseptic. Uh, and then finally we have um, tinctured versions of the rungwa or, or concentrated versions of the um, nutrients as well, um, which you can take on stronger doses. So how did you like make this? Is this on your kitchen, DJ? Just, just all kind of made... Yeah, so the tinctured products, they last for two years, so you, you sort of only do those a couple of times a year. Um, a lot of the co-master, they don't actually like the tinctured version because it's too strong. So they like the white arco, the gentle um, juices and that sort of stuff too. Um, the younger people, you know, late 30s, uh, late 20s, up to the 40s, they like the tinctured versions. It's concentrated and you only need small amounts to carry around with you rather than a whole bottle. The oh, yeah. from the soda springs, the soda water. soda water. So it's highly alkaline. Come from Waimangio here in Titiko. Yeah. So the priors have donated that, which is very really nice. Alkaline's good for the puku. Internal, yeah. cleansing, everything. Uh, what's those um, Epsom salts? Oh, yes. Yep, so this is Epsom salt, but a natural version. We now return to his presentation on rongoa, or native medicinal plant remedies, used on the battlefield. This was part of the Pūtake Oteriri, the New Zealand Land War Symposium, hosted by Te Whare Wānanga o Awanui Yārangi in Whakatāne. Uh, and on the left-hand side we have an image uh, of um, Tāngoyo, Tāngoyo, Willow, and Tūpākehi, tu, or Tutu, growing along the Motu River in the Bay of Plenty. Yep, so that image was just taken a few uh, weeks ago in preparation for Arungoa Wānanga uh, that... Uh, Marae, uh, the people of Marainui have asked me to run uh, later on this year. Uh, but the first thing was that reconnaissance mission and going out and meeting everybody and uh, having a look at the landscape and that sort of thing too. So in this particular image you'll see uh, Willow on the left-hand side, you'll see Tupaki here on the right-hand side as we um, look out towards the coast. Yep. Uh, most of the rungoa that grows in a particular region uh, are related directly to the ailments that the particular community suffer from. Uh, so in some communities you won't see Tupaki, not necessarily because the council gone and outlawed it, but just because the, those are not the ailments that the community suffers from. So instead of those ones, you might see things like karamu, you might see things like pūdiri and that sort of stuff too. Um, uh, blood cleansers, internal cleansers, diabetes, you know, all those sorts of things. You'll see a lot of that rungoa in that particular area there. Uh, and so to make the particular oil, the one that was rubbed on, uh, we this is... My, this is the particular recipe that um, I was given and then I just sort of amped it up a little bit to bring it into the 21st century uh, because we're a lot more 
conditioned. Uh, we're a lot, uh, we're a lot more conditioned now. So the influences and impacts that are on our lives now are entirely different to those which uh, that uh, our tupuna went through. So now we have we have to this has to compete with Voltaren and all those sorts of things. Hey, yeah, yeah. So I had to amp it up. Right. Uh, so in this particular recipe, we have two pakihi, kofai. I didn't have an ipu, so I used my Dolce Gabbana hat so I, to gather my kofai, which is growing on a tree just out on the corner here outside the alfari. Uh, Pukatea, uh, ruruhai or comfrey, uh, and tataramoa at the top there. Yeah. Uh, and then that's the end result uh, once it goes into the crock pot and it's boiled for uh, quite a few hours. Absorbative and geophagic clays. Uh, so uh, some of you have had the chance to have a taste of these already. So uh, the darker one, which is from Boganu, from a puna there, uh, is the uh, geophagy clay, the one that you eat. Yeah. Uh, and the other one, the absorptive one, is from Waiotapu, uh, just outside uh, between Rotorua and Taupo. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, we have an image on the screen there, on the left-hand side, that talks about some of the minerals vitamins and minerals that exist in the particular clays. Uh, in this grey one, for instance, it has alanite, kaolinite, silica, uh, cristobolite, pyrite and sulphur. Yeah. Uh, some of you eat this every day uh, in your toothpaste, uh, bicarbonate of soda, some of you will have those in your kai as well already. Yep, so this is a natural raw form. In preparation for this uh, talk, I also went and purchased pharmaceutical grade one. Uh, so in wartime, the mud was packed into the wounds, the wounds from Taiha and from bullets, uh, as a poultice, an attempt to draw the objects out and also the toxins, uh, but also to heal the wound. So it's packed in there and chipped it up, yep, and left in there. Uh, the use of mud or wet clay as a topical skin treatment, oh, sorry, and then going into a quote, the use of mud or wet clay as a topical skin treatment or a poultice is a common practice in some cultures, and the concept of using mud as medicine goes back to earliest times. Now Mayo Clinic researchers and their collaborators at Arizona State University have found that at least one type of clay may help fight disease causing bacteria and wounds, including, including some treatment-resistant bacteria, uh, and these were the findings which appear in the International Journal Microbial Agents uh, on the 21st of August 2018. So uh, there's more images on the screen there of how the muds were procured. So on the left-hand side, in their natural state, up the top there, um, is the GFAG clay. And then at the end, in this nice container, <laughs> is the one from Tukane. Yep. Uh, then the bottom one from Waiotapu, the big puna there. Uh, and then finally, the nice, well-presented version on the far right-hand side in its jar as well. Uh, this particular image here, uh, comes from the Alexander Turnbull Library. Uh, a sketch in the trenches, a gate par, 30th of April 1864. According to accompanying notes, the sketches of wounded Māori, including a young warrior, uh, Riwati is in the centre. He was shot by that particular person, uh, and this image comes to the manuscripts and pictorials database in the Alexander Turnbull Library in the National Library of New Zealand. So this image was uh, taken, uh, was painted of a, a Māori person from gate par, uh, in Tauranga, uh, in the trenches. Uh, and then as we conclude this presentation, uh, the last thing I have there is a simple thing called wai, water. Yeah. Uh, so on the left-hand side is the puna paudini, 
an ancient mineral pool used for its curative properties since the time of Ngātorūrangi. So that's in Tokani. Yeah. And then on the right-hand side, there's a beautiful quote. Drink of this rungoi and all bullets shall be turned aside from you by its great powers and you shall retain life. This is from the sketches of Tuhoi Land in the Otago Witness, 18th of February, 1897. And there's a cross-section of that particular article which contains that karakia in it. Yeah? So that was a ringatū karakia. Uh, this, particular, this last image, it simply says kamutu. Uh it sort of uh, reminds us of, uh, it speaks to us on many different levels. In this particular case, uh, this image was taken when I had finished procuring all of the clay. So those of you who know that you do a whakawate or a cleansing afterwards when you come into contact with those sort of things, that's what I did over there. Yeah. So as well as doing a, um, hopefully a sort of okay presentation today, uh, I'm also trying to revitalise some of our traditional practices around Rungoa, uh, not only just in uh, the practice of you know, making it and this sort of stuff too, but there's the harvesting, there's the koha and tikanga associated with it as well, uh, and then there's also its presentation and all of those things as well. Kia ora, David Kukutai-Jones, one of the guest speakers at this week's Te Pūtake o Te Riri, New Zealand Land Wars Symposium, hosted by Te Whare Wānanga, o Awanui Arangi and Whakatāne. Next week, Malcolm Mulholland deconstructs the country's history of flags. So why flags? Well, I guess it is my PhD topic, and I am looking at national identity and flags. And how did it come about? Well, I was really interested to know what Māori input, if any, had been given um, when New Zealand decided upon the flag that represents us today. And so I asked that question not only in relation to the flag, but also to the name New Zealand um, and also to our national anthem. So I was looking at symbols of nationhood. That's Tiahika for another week. Don't forget you can, of course, listen to tonight's show and previous shows on our website, RNZ Tiahika, or you can, of course, find us on Facebook, RNZ Tiao Māori. Ko te tūmana ko kei te noho oro pai e koutou. Make sure to join us same time next week. Hei kona mai.